0: From St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. It's not a new problem. It's something that's been sitting around for a while and and people are getting hurt.
1: Exactly. And and the challenge has been having the the resources without a a dedicated funding stream. Results show that we need to raise wages about 9% across the board. There are some, like refuse workers, 911 operators, where those wages need to be raised even more.
0: I'm Jeremy Goodwin. Megan Green surprised some political observers with her victory over Jack Coder in the race for president of the St. Louis Board of Aldermen. She'll serve the remaining five months of former board president Lewis Reed's term. He pleaded guilty to corruption charges and awaits sentencing next month. Joining me on the phone is St. Louis Board of Aldermen President Megan Green. Madam President, welcome back to the program.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much for having me today.
0: We're we're delighted to have the chance. Again, we we touched base quickly the morning after the election, but now we have a little more time to get into it. So there's eight Board of Aldermen meetings scheduled for your term as president. The old saying is uh, we, we campaign in poetry, but govern in prose. So now that the poetry part of the reading is over... Uh, How do you plan to run the board differently than your predecessor?
1: I mean, I I set out in my speech to the aldermen on Friday that I want to create a more collaborative environment, uh, one that is more fair than the one that we have had previously you know we we need to have a board of aldermen where all voices are respected and are recognized that needs to take place in committee assignments in uh you know sponsoring of legislation historically we've had you know some folks on the board completely locked out of committee assignments and I think that needs to change. Even if somebody did not support me, I'm not going to, to you know, say that they then can't be on any committees or um, actively work to try to kill their legislation. We have to set a new standard for the Board of Aldermen because we have a lot of work to get done.
0: I'd like to invite listeners into our conversation. If you have a question for Board of Alderman President Megan Green. Please give us a call at 314-382-8255. That is 314-382-TALK. You can tweet at us at STL on air or send an old email, talk at stlpr.org. Madam President, you you talk about uh, political retribution and alliances on the board. One factor in your success is likely to be your relationship with the mayor, Tashara Jones, someone who you've supported in the past. Uh, How will that dynamic affect how the aldermen are going to move forward right now?
1: I mean, I I think that we have an opportunity to have both branches of government really aligned around a common vision for our city, which should make it easier to move forward with some proposals than um, we've had in the past. You know, the, the last year and a half or so since the mayor has been sworn in, there's, you know, under the leadership of the current president, no matter what the mayor wanted to do, whether it was a good idea or a bad idea, there was just, This automatic, um, you know, putting a foot down to say, well, we're going to stop whatever she wants to do. You know, I think those types of political games just need to stop. If things are, are a good idea, if it's good public policy, let's figure out how we rally around it to get it done. If we don't think it's good public policy, let's figure out how to work together to get it to some place where we can all agree on it. I think those are the the pieces that have been missing from our city government that I look forward to being able to work on uh, with Mayor Jones.
0: Hmm. Well, One of the things on your plate is the remaining $200 million in federal pandemic relief money. I understand there are some bills that are going to be filed this week to route some of that money to some different places. What do you want to do with that?
1: Yes. Um, One of them that I'm really excited about is sponsored by Alderman Bosley. And this is to bring $40 million in traffic calming, traffic safety measures to the city of St. Louis. You know, historically, a lot of traffic planning functions have been relegated down to the ward level. The challenge with that is we've had many aldermen who have done traffic studies over the years to get an idea of all the improvements that we need to make to create safer streets. But then we haven't had a funding mechanism beyond board capital funds to actually implement the calls to action from any of those plants. This bill will allow us to um, to fund many of those recommendations from studies that have already been created, um, which should allow us to move forward fairly quickly on implementing some safer street strategies in our city.
0: Let's, let's linger on, on the streets for a moment. Uh, Evie tweets... Uh, her concern is traffic violence. She writes, our children deserve to be able to reasonably, safely explore their communities and people getting around on foot and bike in general deserve not to die or be maimed. Uh, this is a racial equity issue. Also, black St. Louisans are twice as likely to be harmed uh, in a pedestrian accident of some sort compared to white residents. What can you do to make these streets safer?
1: I mean, this is a really great I think first step in doing that. Um, just to provide some context, for example, you know, I previously represented the 15th ward. We've had a number of accidents and and fatal hit and runs on South Grant several years ago. Probably four years ago, I did a study for South Grant on how to create, um, you know, better. Pedestrian cyclist safety on that corridor. And the recommendations came back with meaning about a million dollars of improvements. Aldermen on an annual basis only get about $300,000 in our ward capital budgets, and that is meant to to fund all, you know, trash dumpsters and lighting and paving and speed humps. So you can imagine that money goes really quickly. So by being able to pass this ARPA bill that dedicates that funding to all of these recommendations, it allows us to move forward on them more quickly than having to wait, you know, five, six, ten years in order to bank the amount of money that we would um, need in order to do these improvements. Yeah, the thing—the
0: thing about tra- uh, pedestrian safety is we know what the problems are. We know where the accidents are happening. We know yes. where the, we know where there's no crosswalk. Uh, it's, it's not a new problem. It's something that's been sitting around for a while, and, and people are getting hurt.
1: Exactly, and, and the challenge has been having the the resources without a a dedicated funding stream to be able to implement a lot of. These safety measures that we know we need to implement, um, especially when when you know our limited ward capital budgets have to pay for so much. So I'm really excited about ARPA funding going to um, to this use. The other thing that this allows us to do is our streets director has been working on piecing together all of these traffic studies that have been done throughout the ward and it has allowed her to figure out okay well we have some gaps in this too we have some areas of the city where there haven't been traffic studies but we know that traffic violence occurs and so then that allows us to dedicate city resources in a more strategic way um to to study and create recommendations on the the for the areas that have not seen improve have not had those studies happen um, and it'll allow us to create a much more cohesive traffic um, you know, planning system than we have right now if we're moving forward with this on a citywide level rather than having different strategies for each ward.
0: Mm. Well, we're seeing a lot of discussion on Twitter from listeners about development in the city, and we do have a call on that topic. Um, let's hear from Mort in St. Louis. Mort, do you have a question?
2: Hi, yes, thank you. Hello, um, Board President Green.
1: Hello, thanks um, for
2: joining us. Hey, you're welcome. I live in what's now called the Grove. I'm a long-term resident of this, of the 17th Ward here in the Grove, and um, we made a lot of strides together as residents through the years to get where I perceive us to be, you know, at this time. And I'm wondering what you think about the um, board, I mean, excuse me, the courtesy letter is, that allow one person to basically decide what type of development projects are going to be happening in our neighborhood. And Mm -hmm. it seems like the board, uh, the courtesy letter in some cases, has been used as kind of a, I hate to say a passive-aggressive way to keep some of these development projects from moving forward.
1: Right. So right now we have a bill that is pending at the Board of Aldermen, uh, sponsored by Alderman Shane Cohn, that would um, roll back some of the authority that aldermen have in these development projects and standardize it across the entire board to bring more transparency um, to what's required from members of the board of aldermen versus what is required from SLDC or other development partners. I think that is a really great first step and have been working with him and SLDC on a couple of modifications um, to that bill so that we can move it forward. You know, I, I think that the role that an alderman needs to play in these projects is to be a voice for their constituents. So if your community is saying yes, we we want this to move forward, then the alderman should be you know creating a, a, you know a letter to say our neighborhood associations agree they want this to move forward, or or if they don't, they don't. Um, and I don't think that a development should be contingent just upon that letter, that there has to be a variety of different metrics that that we are looking at to um, transparently determine whether these projects are a good fit for our city and for our neighborhoods and i think that's what alderman Cohn's bill is seeking to do so i'm I'm optimistic we can get that over the finish line um in the next month or two and and start to get some better standardized procedures in place around development
0: madam president do office holders in city hall have a history of voluntarily voluntarily giving up some of their authority
1: i mean we don't um and i think how do you get them to
0: go along with this
1: I, I think that there is an appetite. Um, you know, we've been having conversations about the need for transparency and for tax incentive reform for many years now. And I think after seeing the indictments come down and, and the role that our opaque development system played in um, in allowing for those types of transgressions to take place, that we're recognizing as a body that there is appetite among the public for For us to be taking this up. Um, And and I know that Alderman Cohn's been working um, across the board to. Um, you know, with varying you know factions of of the Board of Aldermen to get input into this bill to ensure it's something that we can have broad support on and get it over the finish line.
0: And you did talk about in your campaign setting up a, a citywide a new citywide development strategy and some of the things you identified were the need to make it clear just exactly what the incentives are that are available in different regions, but also what the community benefits have to be that, that go along with those incentives. It's that second part sometimes that gets that gets lost in the wash, isn't it?
1: It is. And and I think it's really important that we set up a standardized process for public benefits as well. Um, You know, we're seeing more of these public benefits being negotiated, whether it is you know, the, the foundry deal or um, I think I think the Green Street development um, just had one negotiated as well. But I think we have to, to lay out for both developers and for the sake of the city, who is responsible for each part of this negotiation process? How do we make sure that it's transparent? How do we make sure that communities are involved in these decisions that are being made about what public benefits need to be included? And, and so that's one piece that I've been working with Alderman. Hone on to see if we can get some language around that as well, um, so that once his bill gets over the finish line, we have laid some pretty clear expectations for uh, for the development uh, sphere, for ourselves, for SLDc. So we all know what our roles are moving forward.
0: Right now, the the city is also experiencing an employee shortage, and that, that's affecting some basic services like like trash collection. I know I'd love to see recycling come back. Uh, What's keeping the city from attracting enough qualified workers right now?
1: I think it's a a couple things. One, uh, obviously wages. We had a pay study that was commissioned, oh, probably over a year ago at at this point in time, um, whose results show that we need to raise wages about 9% across the board in order to be competitive with surrounding municipalities. With that said, there are some... Uh, entities within city government, like refuse workers, like 911 operators, where those wages need to be raised even more. So, you know, we just hired a new personnel director. I am looking forward to sitting down with her really soon to talk about um, some changes that she would like to see within the personnel department that we, um, we could implement quickly to hopefully hire people at a quicker pace than we have been. Um, Well, also recognizing that some of the changes to personnel may need to happen because of changes to the Charter. And that's why I think it's really important that we get Annie Rice's bill across the finish line. She has a bill that is creating a Charter Commission process. If this gets through the Board of Aldermen, it will go on the April ballot, and then it will require that every 10 years the city is doing a public revision of our charter um, to figure out if there's things that we need to update to make sure that we are a 21st century city. And, And some of those personnel processes I anticipate are going to be a part of those public discussions. Last thing I'll say beyond wages, we need to look at other one time benefits that we can give. This might be something um, that we use ARPA money for. It could be something from the NFL settlement money. But we need to be looking at, you know, one time retention or sign on bonuses. Um, we need to be looking at home buyer assistance programs or rental assistance programs, maybe helping with student loan um payments as those are starting to recommence um and, and childcare. we know a lot of folks in our city are still sitting out of the workforce because they cannot afford quality childcare, and it's cheaper for them to stay home than it is to send their their kid to child care and to work so if we can i think create a comprehensive Um, plan for some additional employee benefits, I think that'll provide a good incentive for folks to come and work for the city and stay working for the city.
0: And and speaking of charter requirements, on Twitter, uh, former Old Seventh Ward committee woman Marie (coughs) Soselsky, she tweets, will Board President Green work to require alders and board presidents to devote their entire time to duties of their office as the charter requires of the mayor As it stands, alders want to increase salary to $72,000, but not make it a full-time job. What do you think about that?
1: I do think that alderman needs to become a full-time job. I I don't want to preclude people from holding outside employment beyond being an alder person. And I think we need to make it clear that with... the, the increasing responsibilities of going to bigger wards, that we need aldermen that are, com- that are recognizing that this is a full-time job. And, and so I am in process on uh, creating that charter change amendment as well. And uh, should we be able to, to get that through the Board of Aldermen, then we will be looking to put that on the April ballot as well. Let's
0: hear from another caller, uh, Deborah and Tower Grove South. What's your question?
1: Hi, everyone. Um, Megan, you know, I've talked to you about this early um, previously because you are my, currently you're still my Alder woman. Um, I am still concerned about pedestrian lighting. Um, And I was, my question basically is um, wondering if um, the board is going to take up any measures on behalf of improved pedestrian lighting? Alderwoman Green.
0: Alderwoman Green. Yeah. In in our remaining time, what do you think about streetlights?
1: I mean, I I think all of this goes back to needing citywide plans. Much of our challenges as a city has been sort of doing these ad hoc you know, one-by-one projects without an overall strategy. And I know that our current streets director is working toward getting us to a place where we have much more comprehensive strategies, so we know what improvements we can put, for example, on residential streets without uh, creating undue light pollution, without uh, you know, creating too much light going into residents' windows and getting those complaints while also balancing the need for increased safety. Um, so, you know, I'm looking forward to working with some of those city departments. If it requires legislation to enact some of those things, by all means, I'm happy to partner on legislation. Um, and a lot of these changes, I think, are interior to city departments. And so, our, our job as aldermen will be to support um, the executive branch and those city uh, departments in getting comprehensive plans in place.
0: And we have been talking with Megan Green, president of the Saint Louis Board of Aldermen. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's talk again soon.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.
2: Today's episode was produced by Emily Woodbury with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dore.
1: Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer.
2: St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. (music) Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group.